Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I would like to confirm for the masses that as you can see or hear, I am not dead. I got several DMs of people just checking in and wanting to make sure I'm okay and they hadn't heard from me as in I hadn't posted on social media and I was like, I mean, I just, I took a little break. I've been on the road for like three weeks and got back to Ghana and had to, you know, pull myself together and take my braids out, put some new braids in, get some lashes, get my nails redone, just put my life back together. Traveling is very fun, but I looked a little, you know, wretched by the time I returned. But I got all these DMs and I was like, why are people asking me if I'm okay? And then somebody sent me the link to the news article. So there was a plane crash in Tanzania, Tanzania. I was told I could say it either way and it's fine. But if I want to sound fancy, Tanzania. But a plane crashed in Tanzania and it was a relatively little plane. It was bigger than those little puddle hoppers that I was flying on to go back and forth to the Maasai Mara. The plane had 47 people on it. It crashed into Lake Victoria and 19 people, including the pilot, died. So people knew that I had been traveling in East Africa. And I think when I talked about Zanzibar, I only really said Zanzibar. Like Zanzibar is technically part of Tanzania, but it's also kind of separate. It's weird. But people, you know, knew I was traveling throughout East Africa. And then they hadn't heard from me for a couple of days. And they were like, did she go to Tanzania? Like, where is Demetria? But thank you. I appreciate folks checking in. Just like, hey, sis, you okay? You okay, sis? I appreciate it. But I am fine. Like I said, I'm back in Ghana only for less than 24 hours. I actually have a flight. I'm recording this Monday night at 9.12 my time. The time changed back home, so I'm five hours ahead now. But I have a flight in 12 hours to, where am I going? Cote d'Ivoire. I'm going to Abidjan, which I'm super, super excited about. I've been talking about going to Abidjan forever and a day. Like I actually 
started learning French about two years ago just so I could go to Abidjan and be able to function. To which I mentioned that to one of my friends who speaks French and was just like, yeah, so you understand that it's like French, but with a West African accent and you just learning it, you're not going to understand shit. And I was like, but he was like, you're not going to understand shit. He was like, I speak French. When I go over there, it's the same way when you hear English in a different dialect that you're not used to. It takes a while for your ear to adjust. And he was like, you're not going to understand it. And I was like, shit. I tried. I also found an English speaking driver who can also work as a translator. It'll be fine. One of my really good friends, he's flying over to hang out with me. I'm going to Cote d'Ivoire and then I'm also going to Senegal. So he's flying over from New York to hang out with me in West Africa. He's always wanted to go to Cote d'Ivoire. He's been to Senegal before. He loves it. He was like, I'll just come over and hang out with you. And then I'll head to Paris from there. And I was just like, yay. I have packed nothing. I really didn't unpack from when I got back before. I just washed some clothes. I currently have a load in right now. You know, I wash clothes, but I don't have a technically a dryer. I got to let them dry overnight. So hopefully they'll be dry by morning so I can pack them in my suitcase. But yeah, I'm still like living out of suitcases. A tiny suitcase at that. I'm trying to debate if I'm going to take a bigger suitcase to Abidjan just so I can be like, you know, cute and have a few more accessories. But honest to God, like I was, I had this tiny suitcase for three weeks in East Africa and I really wanted for nothing. Although I was sick of wearing the same clothes by the time I got home, but neither here nor there. Speaking of travel, I've been following the Wade World Tour. Gabby just turned 50. I don't know if that's why they're gallivanting all over Africa or if this is just something they've always wanted to do. And I don't know. But they're like gallivanting. The Wades, including baby Kabia. I don't know where Zaya is. I haven't seen Zaya on this trip. I think it's just the parent Wades and the baby. But they were in... We talked about this. Gabby celebrated her birthday in Zanzibar at the same hotel I was staying at the week before. They went from Zanzibar to Ghana to Namibia, and I think now they're in South Africa. And today is baby Kabia. I guess she's not a baby anymore. She's turning four today. I remember when that little girl was born. I remember the hospital pictures of them doing skin-to-skin contact when the baby was born. And now she's four. Time flies. God, I sound like my mother. Jesus. But no, Kavya turns four today. So happy birthday, Kavya. And Gabby wrote like this really sweet message on Instagram, you know, about enjoying Africa with her daughter and how special it is for her to, you know, be four bouncing around Africa, her fourth country in Africa and turn four in South Africa. Like that, that kid lives a good life. Adopt me, please. We have good black news this week. Some of it. Some of it is absolutely batshit because people have lost their minds. But we'll get into that. Tabitha Brown. You know, I'm, I'm slightly obsessed with Tabitha Brown. I think she's just a genuine, sweet, and wonderful woman. And if she is not a genuine, sweet, and wonderful woman, then she, it's great that she's an actress and this woman needs to be given meaty roles so that she can get her Emmy or her Oscar any day now. I just, I absolutely adore her. But she is nominated for two Emmys for her show. It's her YouTube show, right? Tab time? I remember she gave me the exclusive when I interviewed her for Essence to talk about the show for the article. I just love her. She's nominated for not one, but two Emmys, one for Outstanding Preschool Series and another one for Outstanding Host. You know Tab, she say the same thing every time. She's consistent. She said, oh God, I thank you. Y'all, dreams really do come true. OMG. 
I just love her. I'm so happy for her. I, I hope that she is not just nominated for the Emmys, which is an accomplishment in itself, but I hope that she also takes at least one home, but both would be best. But I do hope that she gets the Emmy. I'm looking forward to the Emmy outfit. I know it's going to be colorful. She loves some colors. Walk around looking like a little rainbow, but not like in a, you know, LGBT way, just in like a colorful rainbow kind of way. LGBTQIA people really did co-opt the rainbow. Like y'all really just like gaffled it and was like, that's ours. Like fuck rainbow bright. Like that's, that's our shit now. And anytime somebody makes a reference to a rainbow, it's not even like leprechauns. It's just, it's like, oh, LGBT. Like, no, I just, I was just speaking about a range of colors. Happy birthday to Diddy or Puffy or P Diddy or Love. Or Sean Combs. You know who I'm trying to wish happy birthday to. He turned 53. He had a big splashy birthday party in Los Angeles. The YBF had lots of pictures. Shout out to Natasha. Jay-Z was there. Mary J. Blige was there. I think Janelle Monet was there in the background. Chris Brown was there. OT Genesis was there. I'm trying to think who else I saw in pictures. It was a bunch of people. I mean, it's a Diddy party. Carisha was there. She got him a real special gift. She got him a, um, an iced out bad boy chain. That's what she got him. And Diddy just looked over the moon. And uh, when people saw the video of Diddy reacting to his gift, a lot of people hit me up and was like, you called it. Diddy's in love. Diddy gonna fuck around and try to marry this girl. And I was like, I told y'all that. He's acting different. He don't ever act this way about a living woman. He's, he's in. He's in, like, and he's 53. Like, for Diddy, somebody like him, I have, like, what, six kids? One, two, three. Yeah, six kids. He has six kids. Like, I have six kids and, you know, multiple mothers of children and never been married at 53. But I guess now he's decided, like, you know, now's a good time to settle down. We'll see. There was a video of Diddy and Carisha, and something happened off camera he was looking to the left and he had his back to her and he was just screaming and going crazy. And then he comes forward because whoever's like filming and he was like, nobody's ever loved me like this. Like nobody's ever treated me like this. He was just real like animated. And then he went back to Carisha. He put his hands in front of him like he was praying. And I was like, okay, he's bowing down. And sir hit one knee. I screamed and I was like, is he about to propose? Carisha looked as shocked as I was because she was like, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. He wasn't proposing. He was, he was submitting, which that's crazy too. I mean, it's Diddy. But yeah, he, he likes her real bad. They go together real bad, like she said. I'm telling you, he gonna ask that lady to marry him. I'm telling you, I see it. But the party looked fun. I mean, it's a Diddy party. I think that's probably one of my one regrets of like being in my 20s and 30s in New York, I went to some amazing parties. Like I went to some legendary shit, but I never went to a Diddy party. I think he had his 40th birthday at the, was it at the Plaza? I knew so many people that snuck into that party and I was just like, y'all, I'm just, I'm not sneaking into the party. Like I'm at the point in my life where either I get the invite and I go or I stay home. I must have been feeling myself at that moment because I will absolutely get dressed up and go somewhere and like work a door. I absolutely will. But just for that one, I was just like, no, maybe because I thought security would be too tight. And I was like, I'm not getting all dressed up and driving from Brooklyn to not be able to get in. But everybody, I, but everybody I know who tried it did get in eventually. 
It's one of those epic parties. They were like, oh, yeah, dude, you weren't there for that one. But you were there for... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to make it to a Diddy party. It's on my bucket list. Rihanna has a Fenty show coming November 9th. Something else is happening on November 9th, and I can't remember what it is. Wakanda Forever is November 11th. But there's something that comes out on November 9th that I'm supposed to be paying attention to. Is it Michelle Obama's book? Michelle Obama's second book is coming out. I'm actually hosting a book club reading for, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say the name of the, of the group. Because I don't know, I won't say it. It's a private group of women, and they have a book club, and they asked me to host their discussion. I've been offered a nice check, and I was like, sure, I could do that. I was going to read the Michelle Obama book anyway. I don't know who I was going to discuss it with. So I was like, I could discuss it with a bunch of like C-suite black women. Like that works for me. I'm actually really looking forward to that. I'm, I want the hard copy of the book. I don't know if it's going to go on sale here immediately, like the day it drops in the U.S. I should be able to get the digital version, but I prefer like a hard copy of a book. I'm going to read it either way, but still. But I'm looking forward to this Fenty show. Everyone's been talking about, I shouldn't say everyone, TMZ has been talking about Johnny Depp is in the Fenty show. And I was like, I give two shits. I don't feel one way or another about Johnny Depp. The shit that came out during the trial with him and his ex-wife, like they was both crazy as shit. She might have been crazier than him, but he was also crazy. Didn't he talk about killing her and stuffing her in a trunk? He talked about doing like some sadistic crazy shit. And I'm like... Even if you think that shit, you don't say it out loud or you definitely don't fucking text it to somebody. But TMZ kept talking about like, oh, Johnny Depp is going to be in the Fenty show. And I was like, so? Damson Idris is also going to be in the Fenty show. Now that's some excitement. You know how I feel about Damson Idris. Ain't got the nerve to be lovely. Beautiful as he is, got the nerve to be charming, lovely, with good conversation and a sense of humor. It's just a total package. It's a really nice dude. I don't own anything like from actual like Fenty wear. I have tons of Fenty makeup. I don't have any like Fenty clothes, but I guess everybody else does because Rihanna's like, you know, a billionaire. But I love the shows. Like I live for the show. It comes out on Amazon Prime on November 9th. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. 
Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. I have a bunch of other stuff on here. I do not want to talk about this shit. I'm so sick of people. Ugh, I don't want to talk about Drake right now. In general, I'm not a huge Drake fan to begin with. But his most recent shit, I don't even know what song it is. He's got an album coming out. Let me go look this shit up. I saw like the general reactions to it. Drake, Megan, Shots, Stallion. God, it's on Variety. Really? Variety is covering this? So is The Cut. So is People. So is Page Six. I guess Drake is like an international superstar. Okay. Drake has a collaboration album with 21 Savage. And on the album, he has a lyric that references... I'm reading this on Variety that references Meg getting shot by Canadian rapper. I keep forgetting uh, Tory Lanez is Canadian. I guess that's why Drake is siding with Tory Lanez because they're both Canadian, which is a stupid reason to side with somebody, especially with, you know, if you shot a woman. So there's a song on the album called Circo Loco and Drake raps. This is so crazy to be reading this in Variety. This bitch lie about getting shots, but she's still a stallion. And it, it's allegedly a double entendre that references cosmetic injections, butt shots, and then the alleged shooting. And I have to say alleged because there's still a case pending. Tori has not been convicted of anything. There was only four people in the truck. Meg says he shot her. Tori says he didn't. The other two people in the truck, if I'm remembering this story correctly, are like, well, we didn't shoot her, but they won't actually say Tori shot her. But Meg has posted pictures of at least one fucked up foot. Something happened to her foot. The police were called to the scene because there were gunshots and Meg was limping. And she says he shot me in my feet. And Meg has also said, like, he shot me. She's flatly said, like, he shot me. She tried to protect him at first on some, like, no snitching. And I was like, does no snitching count with the person who shot you? Like, if you do dirt together, you do crime together. I totally get, like, I'm not going to tell on you to get off. I get the idea of no snitching when it's some shit that you was also involved in. And so you don't dime out other people but not tell on yourself. I get that. But if somebody shoots you, like, to say, he shot me, is that snitching? People tried to make it as such at the time. I remember that. I don't understand why Drake would would do this. I mean, I just threw out the idea that, you know, because he and Tory Lanez are both Canadian, so maybe that's why he decided to take this stance. But I'm also like, I mean, Drake has a large, large audience, right? But a good chunk of that audience is, is black women. I'm like, why would you take a swipe at Meg who black women in general love and who's pretty unproblematic overall. She doesn't get on Instagram and just like pop off on anybody just because she only responds to people who come for her. She's all in all a pretty sweet girl. Like she, she comes for her record label. She comes for Tory Lanez, but the record label's allegedly fucking up her money and Tory Lanez allegedly shot her. Otherwise, she's pretty chill. I don't, I don't know why Drake would do that. And the reaction to it has largely been like, what the fuck? Even dudes have been like, yo, why would you, why would you come at her like that? Like she hasn't said anything about you. She hasn't been shady towards you. Why did you just jump out the box and come for Meg? It's weird. It's bitch ass is what it is. 
But Meg responded to Drake on Twitter. She said, stop using my shooting for clout, bitch ass nigga. Since when the fuck is it cool to joke about women getting shot? You niggas, especially rap niggas, are lame. Ready to boycott bout shoes and clothes, but dogpile on a black woman when she says one of y'all homeboys abused her. Did she lie? Drake also has the unfortunate timing of releasing this song a week after Takeoff was murdered senselessly. So joking about shootings, it's always been bad, but it's especially distasteful with the current timing. Meg continued, I cannot believe I'm reading this in Variety. She says, quote, and when the motherfucking facts come out, remember all y'all ho-ass favorite rappers that stood behind a nigga that shot a female. I wish she had called herself a woman, but I'm being picky. That's just me. I understand exactly what she meant, and there's nothing lost in translation. Meg continued. She says that, quote, people attack me for speaking out about the alleged assault. And she says, and when I defend myself, people say it's, quote, doing too much. Every time, it never ends. And this did not happen until I came out and said, I got shot. Y'all don't fuck with me. Okay, cool. Fuck it. Bye. She's over it. She's over it. She's been having a really hard time lately. What happened? I want to say, did her house get broken into? I think that's what it was. Her house got broken into and then she went ahead and did SNL and she was like, I'm going to take a break after this because she's just been catching hell for like really no good reason. Like people have just been coming for her, her house getting broken into. Like I've never had my house broken into. I've had my car broken into. It disturbs your sense of safety. She's got a lot going on. So like also she goes on, you know, her personal hiatus to sort out her life. And then Drake pops up with this shit. I'm like, she's going through right now what Lizzo's been going through for like the last couple months or so. She's minding her business. She's on tour, doing her job, doing what she loves and not bothering anyone. And then people just keep coming for her. The Aries Spears thing. And then the Kanye West thing. And it was just like, why is Lizzo living rent free in your mind? Why is Meg living rent-free in your mind. People been saying Drake is like a bitch for years. Um, it's true. I'm not saying it's true that he is. I'm saying it's true that people have been saying it. But this, this, is, this is supporting the argument. He also has some words for Serena Williams, who he once dated, or better, Serena Williams' husband. Drake called Serena Williams' husband a groupie. And I was like, one... Yes, Serena Williams is, is his wife and the mother of his child. If he's not her biggest fan, why the fuck is she married to him? You're, you're supposed to be a groupie for your spouse. You're supposed to be the number one fan. If you have a spouse and someone else is their number one fan, there is something off in your marriage. I'm just saying. Let me see the, the actual... I don't even understand this lyric. There's a song called Middle of the Ocean, and in it, Drake raps. Sidebar, Serena, your husband a groupie. He claimed we don't got a problem, but no boo. But no boo. It's, it's like you coming for sushi. I mean, I get like the no comma boo is no boo, no boo, sushi, Malibu. Like, I get it. That's, that's, that's whack. I'm sorry. Also, also... I remember when Drake and Serena dated, 
He was at many of her matches in the stands, cheering, excited, invested, like a groupie, as he should have been. Like, they were dating at the time. Like, he was her partner. Like, he showed up for her. He was supportive of her. It seemed that he took on the, the emotion tied to the game. Like, he got wrapped up in it. Because the, curse, the person he cares about is competing and it means so much to them. So it seemed like he took that on emotionally. As a partner tends to do. As a good partner tends to do. And it wasn't a problem. Sir, are you still mad you fumbled Serena Williams? I mean, it's a big fumble. You ain't the only one to do it. There's a couple other people. It's just like, nigga, you fucked up on that? I mean, you did. But you mad because her husband is supportive? To which husband Alex was like, yeah, who's just a grown ass man, was like, um, the reason I stay winning is because I'm relentless about being the absolute best at whatever I do, including being the best groupie for my wife and daughter. This man is not insulted that you called him a groupie. He's her husband. Yes. Yes. I'm a groupie, nigga. That's why she's your ex, but she's my current wife. Social media has been relentless going after Drake over this shit. Because Drake's a groupie. There's plenty of pictures of Drake being a full-on groupie for his favorite basketball players. He's looking at them with the admiration of like a 12-year-old who just got their baseball signed. He's happy. He's in the moment. He's excited. And like, you know, that's cool. But I was like, you got a lot of nerve. Talking about a man as a groupie for his wife. Meanwhile, you out here being a groupie for other grown-ass men who are at your level of success. He got a lot of fucking nerve with this one. I don't know if I'm going to totally turn him off over this. I'm not the biggest Drake fan to begin with. I like some of his music, no doubt, but I'm over it. Do we have to talk about this? I guess we do. Um... I'm not, I'm not talking about this in detail. Kyrie Irving. I mentioned it on last week's episode. I'm so sick of talking about this dude because I just think he's... I don't think he's a fuck-up. I don't want to call him a fuck-up, but I want to say that he fucked up. And then he let his ego get in the way. And now a situation that really had to be nothing has spiraled completely out of control. Like you tweeted some shit that, is, that was anti-Semitic. Your actual tweet wasn't anti-Semitic. The, the screenshot of this film, you, you posted it to a social media following of like 17 million people. And then when asked about it, give, you didn't want to explain yourself, which led people to think the worst, to jump to all sorts of conclusions. And then when they were like, hey, so we're confused about what this meant. Can you explain? No. So, okay, so does that mean you're anti-Semitic? Still wouldn't answer the question. It was brought to my attention, because I, I mentioned it last episode. They were like, do you, do you understand the special level of stupid that you have to be to dabble in anti-Semitic shit when your boss, when your big boss, like Adam Silver, who's the commissioner of the NBA, is Jewish? Like, he's a fucking idiot. I said I wasn't going to say he was. He is. He is. He is. And he deserves every single thing that's happening to him right now. And people are like, oh, they're coming down on him too hard because he's an idiot. Because when they were like, hey, apologize. 
Say that you are not anti-Semitic and apologize for this shit. Clear it up so we can all get the fuck over it and move on. And then he refused. So now he's suspended for five games at least and has a six-point plan of things he must accomplish in order to be allowed to play again. He did this to himself. This is not people going after the black man. This is not trying to stop the black man from, from speaking his mind. This is not a violation of his freedom of speech. The government is not persecuting Kyrie Irving. The NBA is. His employers. He makes big bank. He makes a nice check. He forgot that he was an employee. He's being treated like one. If you go right now on your Facebook page, on your Twitter, on your Instagram, start posting shit that's anti-Semitic and somebody at your job sees that shit and reports you to HR, you are getting called down and you are going to be asked in account, why are you tweeting this? What does this mean? This is offensive. You're going to have to either apologize, denounce it, something, or your job is on the line. It's no different. With Kyrie Irving, yes, he's a basketball player. He bounces a ball really well. That doesn't make him exempt from consequences. This is not some story of a black man being persecuted. This is not a digital lynching or what's that shit Kanye West called it? A social media, he called it a social media lynching, social media, I don't know, some crazy shit. Neither Kanye nor Kyrie are being persecuted. They are receiving the consequences of their stupid actions. I'm almost done. This what about Bezos thing? What about Amazon? Because Kyrie is getting onto all this trouble and Amazon is still airing the video. So like people are mad and about they're mad about the wrong thing because how could they be mad about the video? But nothing's happening to Amazon. The NBA can't do shit to Amazon because the NBA don't own Amazon and they don't employ Jeff Bezos. As a matter of fact, who can do shit to Jeff Bezos? Because Jeff Bezos owns his shit. You, you listening, who, is, who are mad about this Kyrie situation, you can vote with your dollar. You can say, you know what? Fuck Amazon. No more Amazon Prime. No more two-day delivery. I'm going to actually go to the store and get my groceries. I'm going to actually go to the stores and get my electronics and my books and my everything else that we sit around and order on Amazon Prime all day. I don't have Amazon Prime over here. I miss Amazon Prime. Y'all don't know how good y'all got it with that shit. That's not the point. The point is, the NBA can't do shit to Jeff Bezos. They did ask Jeff Bezos if he could take the shit down. From what I've seen so far, Jeff Bezos has not responded. I also think it's worth noting that sometime last year, Jeff Bezos stepped down as the CEO and president of Amazon. He's the executive director. With the CEO of Amazon, the CEO and president, same person. One man, two titles. It's Jewish. Look it up. His name is Andy Jassy. J-A-S-S-Y. He has been the president and chief executive officer of Amazon since 2021. Amazon's making a killing off this fucking video. Kyrie tweeted it to 17 million people. A bunch of them went and watched it just because he tweeted it originally. And then all this scandal over the video, the new talking point now, because, you know, there's always talking points for stuff like this. For the people who are defending Kyrie Irving, their response now to people who are like, he shouldn't have tweeted that dumbass anti-Semitic video. So the talking point right now is, well, have you watched it? 
So if you haven't seen it, how do you know it's anti-Semitic? It's like asking people, how do you know if the world is fucking flat if you haven't been to space? Multiple news outlets, credible publications have gone and watched the video, so more people watching it, have reported on the video and been like, hey, it says shit like Jews are satanic and descendants of Satan. What? Could there be nuggets of truth that are included in this video? Sure. Conspiracy theories usually have some nugget of truth. Like it's just enough to be like, oh, well, go look it up and then you could see. And so if that part is true, then the other parts must be true too. But I've read multiple articles about this video. But I've read multiple articles about this video. Rolling Stone has a very extensive one. And the, the general conclusion is it's anti-Semitic. Now, there are people online who say, well, I watched the video for myself and I didn't find it anti-Semitic at all. To which I say, are you Jewish? Are you Jewish? Because if you're not, I don't know how you get to tell Jewish people what to be offended by. Now, surely, yes, people can choose to be offended by a whole bunch of different things. People can twist words, twist meanings. People have agendas. So they might take something that you said and try to twist it to make it fit an agenda. So literally, so they can push their platform. They can push their agenda. That does happen. It's happened to me recently. I'm familiar with that. With this argument, they're like, no, it's not anti-Semitic. It's just, you know, people are just going for Kyrie Irving. I'm like, explain to me how the part about Satan and Jews is not anti-Semitic. That confuses me. And look, I understand the knee jerk to want to defend a black man because you don't like seeing a black guy piled upon and it doesn't feel good to watch. I get it because it doesn't feel good to watch. But also Kyrie's dead ass wrong. He's doing this to himself. He could have prevented all of it. One, by just not tweeting the shit. Like, you want to sit in your house and watch anti-Semitic shit? Like, I mean, I don't recommend it. I personally don't do it. But if that's something that you choose to do because you're curious, or maybe you do have anti-Semitic views. He said he doesn't. He's apologized since. But, like, whatever your thoughts are, the reason that there's a national conversation about them is because you posted it to millions of people. You didn't want to answer questions about what you're reviewing in your private time? Don't post the shit. As much as I tell you about like, oh, I watched this, hashtag, what's Demi watching? Um, as much as I share with you about See Some World and the things that I do and the places I go, there's tons of shit I just don't mention. Not because I'm sitting around doing like, you know, bigoted, anti-Semitic, racist shit, but just because like, I don't want y'all in my goddamn business and asking me questions about what I do. I just don't tell you about it. That's the easy fix for it. Kyrie has done this to himself. And it's annoying to watch people... Rally behind someone when they are dead ass wrong. And then trying to deflect to be like, well, what about Jeff Bezos? This is y'all's new what about Weinstein? Y'all didn't want to talk about Bill Cosby drugging all them women and, rap and R. Kelly raping all them girls. So y'all be like, well, what about Weinstein? What about Weinstein? What about Weinstein? Multiple movies about Weinstein. Multiple documentaries about Weinstein. Court cases about Weinstein. His ass is in jail right now. Just like where Bill Cosby's ass needs to be. He's out on a technicality. Thank God Robert Kelly is locked away and can't pee on or rape no more girls. What about Weinstein? What about Bezos? What is y'all's refusal to hold a black man accountable when he fucks up?
I'm done. I'm done. I have two more stories. One of them is weird. One of them is I still can't make sense of. Tiffany Cross. She had a big show on MSNBC. I'm not an MSNBC girl. I was a CNN person. I have nothing against Tiffany Cross. And then after Biden got elected, I stopped watching both of them all together. Because remember, I feel like at one point, like every episode, I was like, so on CNN, I saw. So on CNN, I saw. So on CNN, I saw. And then after January 6th, I was like, I'm done. Like, I've, I've, I've had enough news. I've tapped out. I'm actually interested in news again, but I don't have CNN here. Even with my, like, VPN. But Tiffany Cross, she's a journalist and commentator on MSNBC. She was the host of The Cross Connection. And her show, which was the highest rated weekend show on MSNBC, was abruptly canceled by the network. On the route, they talk about, quote, MSNBC's shocking cancellation of Saturday morning news program, The Cross Connection, and the news network's decision not to renew Tiffany Cross's contract. Now, Tiffany Cross, so far, she has kept it very classy. She released a statement about her show ending. She says, quote, from the beginning, we were intentional about centering communities of colors, elevating issues and voices often ignored by the mainstream media and disrupting the echo chambers. As a result, viewers consistently made the cross connection MSNBC's highest rated weekend show. You see how she noted it was the highest rated weekend show. So the question is, is what happened? Why is it gone? And many people have asked, it's not just me. It doesn't make sense. It's like it's the highest rated weekend show and you just abruptly canceled it. Tiffany continues in her statement. She says, quote, fresh off the heels of a racial reckoning, as so many have called it. We see that with progress, there is always backlash. Now is not the time to retreat to politics or journalism as usual. It is my hope that the last two years at MSNBC have been disruptive and transformative, changing how politics are discussed and making policy more digestible. It was the opportunity of a lifetime to create a show that the culture would be proud to keep trending every weekend. Who wrote this? Did she write this? Did a publicist write this? Because she is reminding you that this was a high-ranking show. This was a trending show. This was the highest-rated weekend show. She concludes with class. She says, quote, Thank you to my community and fans for your overwhelming advocacy and support. Thank you, girls good, to the more than 4.6 million monthly viewers. And thank you to the team who worked so hard each week. I will forever be grateful. See you soon. She kept it classy. I want to know what the group chat says. <laughs> I called around too. I ain't gonna lie. I called around too and was like, what, what, what's, what's the backstory? What happened? Is there some behind the scenes? Because something happened. You don't just take a show that, as Tiffany points out, 4.6 million monthly viewers trending every weekend. It's the highest rated weekend show. You don't just take that and can it and like there's no backstory. There's no behind the scenes shenanigans. Where's Hollywood Reporter? They've been getting in everybody's business, finding out what's going on behind the scenes. They got all the tea. Well, a lot of tea, because I, I know some other tea that I can't tell about that, that. But they got a lot of tea about what happened with Wendy Williams. I want to know what happened with Tiffany Cross. Because, baby, I know it's some bullshit. And just to be clear, because people like to twist things sometimes, the world is small, the circles are small. When I say that, I'm not saying I think Tiffany did some crazy shit. I'm saying I think MSNBC did some crazy shit, and I want to know what it is.
Does anybody work at MSNBC want to share some details? I'd love to hear them. Best of luck to Tiffany. She is very smart and she is very sharp and I believe she will land on her feet. I also respect very much that the other black girl, Joy Reid, she used to be my editor at the Grio 50 million years ago. My dad loves Joy Reid. Like, I'm a CNN person. Like, my dad is like MSNBC. Like, he's obsessed with Joy Reid. He just thinks she's just so smart. Joy Reid is also an MSNBC host. And on Friday's episode, shortly after the news broke that, that Tiffany was out at MSNBC on her show, The Readout, Joy concluded the episode. Speaking of Tiffany, she said, quote, she is not just my friend. She is my sister. I love her. I support her. I was boosting for her to get the show that she created, the cross connection that she put her heart and soul into every day. And I just want to say those on the far right who are attacking her on a social media app that I won't name, you don't understand how sisters move. So watch this space. We will be here. Her sisters will be here to support anything Tiffany Cross ever does. Know that. Believe that. You actually got to watch the video because I'm giving you like the, I'm reading it like it's an ad voice. Joy gave much more. Joy gave side eyes and cut eyes. And if you are a black woman and you watch that, you understand all of the subtext and Joy's eye expression. Just reading the words doesn't do it justice. But go, go, uh, go Google the clip from Joy talking about Tiffany Cross. Joy was angry and Joy was protective and Joy was defensive. And still, I call it a feel-good moment because I like the way that she stood up for another black woman. The other one may not have her platform or that platform anymore. She still has a platform. She doesn't have that platform. But Joy does have a platform, and she used it to stand up for Tiffany, and I thought that was really beautiful. I'm weird. You know how I like, I like to cry about everything? Um, but I got a little, like, misty about that. I did. I did. We talked about Big Bezos. We talked about Tiffany Cross. Oh, this is this weird. Sports is so weird right now. Between like this Kyrie Irving saga, because that story just keeps on going and going and going. And then last week we talked about the guy who like whipped it out on the team therapist. He whipped it out nine times. And then he whipped it out on like two other people over the summer. This dude literally cannot keep it in his pants. That was also a basketball story. This one is the NHL. I have no idea how I stumbled across this story. The Boston Bruins were going to hire this guy, Mitchell Miller. And the team got wind of it. And also the commissioner of the NHL. And they were all, the, the team and the commissioner were like, no, you're not. No, you're not. So... They offered this guy a contract, and then they rescinded the offer. Here's why. Mitchell Miller is 20 years old. When he was 14 years old, he was convicted of a crime. I think he said he was in eighth grade. He bullied a black classmate who had developmental disabilities. This happened when he was in middle school. Now, I know some people would say, like, he's 20 years old. He was a child. He's almost still a child, but he was a child. He was in middle school. What could he have done that was so bad that the NHL commissioner would get involved and be like, no, he cannot play for our league? 
the other players would be like, no, we don't want him on our team. Here we go. He bullied this kid and the bullying was so bad that the police got involved. This kid, and I call him such because he was 14, pled guilty to one count of assault and one count of violation of the Ohio Safe Schools Act. Here's what he did. He and another teenager were accused of making this black kid in their class who had developmental disabilities eat a candy push pop after wiping it in a bathroom urinal. And then there's surveillance video of them kicking and punching this kid. Now, Miller maintains that this was a one-off incident in which he used bad judgment. The kid's mother did an interview with the Arizona Republic about what happened to her child. And she was like, oh no, he bullied my child for years. It started in the second grade. And he used racial epithets on top of that. What? I don't even understand how he gets to have a conversation with the NHL, but he did. And they offered him a contract, which he would have signed if not for the NHL players who were like, no, we don't want him in our locker room. Like, we don't need these problems. You bring in crazy NBA level drama over to our shit. Ain't nobody paying attention to us. Like, we look calm. We fight on the ice all the time. We fight like every night. But we look calm in comparison to the shit that happens in the NFL and the NBA. Keep that drama over there. We don't want it. So he's out. So uh, this is what Miller has to say about the incident. Remember I said that he claims that this was an isolated incident? The mother, again, says that it, was, it went on for years. This is Miller's statement. He says, when I was in the eighth grade, I made an extremely poor decision and acted very immaturely. I bullied one of my classmates. I deeply regret the incident and have apologized to the individual, which, by the way, Miller's mother says that never happened. Miller continues, since the incident, I have come to better understand the far-reaching consequences of my actions that I failed to recognize and understand nearly seven years ago. I was reading the comments section, I saw people be like, well, how long is he going to be punished for? He did something as a teenager, at 14, now he's 20, he's a grown man. How long are we going to hold this over this man's head? And a lot of people in the comments were like, at 14, something's fucking wrong with you. If you're doing that to somebody else, who says get, get a push pop, put it in the urinal and then we're going to kick and beat someone who has disabilities. The fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Sports are weird right now. I feel like everybody's weird right now. That's it for the stories for this week. We covered a lot. I actually think I might tune in to CNN tomorrow. I mean, I'm going to be in transit, but I'll, I'll catch what I can. American elections are happening tomorrow. Please, if you can, I mean, first and foremost, vote. Secondly, vote. Third, vote. Four, could y'all like not storm any capitals or set shit on fire or, you know, could you have a pleasant election that doesn't, you know, make us look like a, a developing nation? Because um, developing nations don't even do that shit. That's just, that's like, that's American shit now. <sighs> Happy voting. Thank you for the folks that let me know that there were still ads for Republicans running on the podcast. 
I reached out to the podcast team a third time. They told me that they have it under control, which they also said the first and second time. If there are still ads for Republicans, particularly the governor of Texas or the governor of Florida, I don't support them. I'm totally not happy with the political ads. My podcast partners assured me that they are doing everything that they can to keep the ads off. Like they've totally blocked all news ads from playing on my podcast. And yet, and yet they're still slipping through. So I hope that is not the case with this episode. I wrote very sternly worded and exasperated emails. So I hope that they they get it. So that's that. And happy voting. All right. Talk soon. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.